Hey, Spooksters, it's Tara jumping on before the episode starts. As you might have noticed, this says part one. So we are going to be breaking up our discussion on the Aaron Hernandez documentary into two episodes for you. But instead of making you wait two weeks for the other half, we are going to drop the second part for you on Friday. So we hope you guys enjoy. Let us know your thoughts. And thank you guys for requesting this. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hola, amigas and amigos. Hello, hello. And today we are going to be doing a dive into the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix called Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Literally. Literally. So... This had been requested by a few of you guys, so we thought it would be uh, interesting to watch since neither of us had watched it and discuss. Mm -hmm. If you are newer here, we haven't done a kind of table talk episode on the main feed in a while. It's true. How we do these ones with the docs and movies and stuff like that, we don't do it as structured as our regular episodes. We kind of just do it more as a discussion. So just kind of disclaimer for you there. But before we get started, this is our first recording of an actual episode since we've been back on our trip. And that was amazing. It was. It was. If you follow us on socials, you saw that we had been invited by our friend over at HLN. His name is Grayson. Hi, Grayson. Hi, Grayson. To the premiere of Forensic Files 2. And first, we just want to say thank you so much, Grayson. We so, so, so appreciate it. We fangirled hard on the inside. Obviously, (laughs) we kept our cool while we were there. Or like tried to look cool, but was very like awkwardly quiet because we're like, (laughs) we open our mouth. It's going to turn into (laughs) word vomit. Like, I have a podcast. Listen to me. We didn't do that. (laughs) No. Hell no, thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just amazing to watch it on the big screen. And it was amazing to get to hear the Q&A from Bill Camp and Nancy Duffy, the executive producer on Forensic Files. We actually were able to connect and talk with her a bit Mm -hmm. after the screening as well. And she is literally one of the nicest people I have ever met. She was so sweet. She was so nice. And it was just kind of funny because they were all super excited that we came from so far and everything. So they were like, Alaska. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They were so in shock with Tara. They were like, you came from where? Oh, my God. You came from Alaska? 
How long did that take you? Did you start walking? My favorite was like Joey Jackson, who I slightly have a crush on, um, <laughs> was like, did you start walking a month ago? <laughs> we were like, no. Right. Uh, yeah, it was so cool. So cool. So yeah, and we met some great podcasters too. Shout out to Rebecca from Dialogue. She was super nice and we met some other cool people too. And if we missed you, we're very sorry. I'm sure as you guys know, it's it's always kind of weird because we always hear everybody else's voices, mm-hmm. but sometimes we don't know what each other looks like. Right. And we talked about that with somebody there. <laughs> we're like, are you this person? Oh, you are. Okay. <laughs> right. It was a bunch of people like standing around with their phones looking through Instagram to be like, who the fuck are these people in the room? And thank God Tara and I put like selfies on her because the thing we realize is that not all shows like show who they are very frequently. Right. So they may have posted like a picture like at the beginning of the show. But if they've been around for a couple of years, that's so much scrolling through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was great. We met another podcast, Murder in the Rain. They're from Portland. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was like, oh, West Coast. Yay. (laughs) But yeah, it was really, really cool. So again, Grayson, thank you so much for inviting us. We had a great time and we were very honored to have been able to attend. Mm -hmm. I just need to say that if you are from New York, I have a whole new level of respect for you. (laughs) It is fucking balls (laughs) cold there. Like I legit was like, how do people live in this shit? Like the sun was out and it was like 29 degrees and I'm like oh my god and it was weird because I went from like the first day we went to looking like a tourist because I had to buy a beanie and gloves and it all said New York because every normal beanie was like $40 and every New York beanie was like here here's 10 bucks take it you're good you know so I was like okay (laughs) it was so cold we went we went to Central Park which has been on my bucket list forever and we didn't stay too long because I got cold It's okay. It was a little breezy and overcast, so that always adds to it. Mm -hmm. But it was really awesome. We got to go around there. We got to go to the Museum of Sex, so that was interesting. I may have gotten a mild concussion. (laughs) Jessica hit her head. It's fine. She's okay now. We're here for the cause. Yes. But yeah, it was really cool. It was really fun. We were super excited to go. We feel really lucky that we have these opportunities and it's because of you guys and we have this platform because of you guys. So thank you also to you guys for that Mm -hmm. because if we didn't have the show, we wouldn't have had that opportunity to go watch that. But with that, if you are new here, normally we don't have all of this. That was a little something extra, but we want to say hello and welcome. You can find us on all the social medias. There's a link tree in the show notes for you below. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. We also have a fun Facebook group that you can come join as well if you would like to have more in-depth discussion about spooky, true crime things, or even just, you know, stuff going on in your life. We welcome all kinds of fun things. We make it a little home for our spooksters, and that's Three Spooked Girls official. Mm -hmm. It's super fun. Yes, yes. And if you would like to support the show, we have a Patreon as well. You can find us in that link tree that I mentioned a minute ago, or you can also go to patreon.com slash three spooked girls. In current time, we are only two patrons away from starting a new segment for our two and up patrons. They are going to be getting not only the regular monthly bonus episode that all tiers get, but they are also going to be getting a 
bonus segment that'll be popping up twice a month called Jessica Slaughter's Movie Reviews. If you would like to hear more about that, we talk about it in detail on part two of Ed Kemper, or you can check out our socials because we have posted about it. We are so excited for that to start, and we are so thankful for all of our new patrons that we had, and of course, all of our current patrons. We seriously appreciate your support for the show. It blows our mind that anyone gives us any kind of hard-earned money. All of that goes back into the show. And then after we hit 50, we are going to set another milestone goal of patrons for some other surprises. And then we're also going to be working on improving the sound treatment in our recording areas. So that info will be popping up after we pass the 50. Mm Mm-hmm. But with that, we are going to take our quick promo break. So give that a listen and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Sasha and Courtney from the podcast Spoob Hour. We are a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two certified Halloweenies who laugh through our fear of literally everything. 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 <laughs> you can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour, S-P-O-O-P-H-O-U-R, on Instagram and Twitter, or you can reach out to us via email, spoophour at gmail.com, where you can share any creepy happenings that have happened to you or people you know or things that you've heard down the grapevine spoop line am i right ladies the spoop line so come get ghosted with us pee your pants because of cryptids just have a grand old time it's fun hey y'all it's shannon from lessons from lifetime podcast coming at you with something new again yes i'm rebranding again don't judge me My new podcast is called My Reality with Shannon because let's face it, my reality is nothing but reality TV shows and true crime shows all day long and I'm going to be covering them all from Bachelor and all Bachelor related shows to 90 Day Fiance to Love is Blind on Netflix and any true crime stories that pop up in my area. I'm going to cover them with a guest host each week and hopefully we can have Chloe back to join me. You can find My Reality with Shannon wherever you find your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. I'll be there. And please follow me on social media on Instagram at MyRealityPod and on Twitter at PodMyReality. I hope to see you there. Y'all stay safe. All right. Well, welcome back, guys. Like I said, we are going to dive into the Aaron Hernandez documentary today on Netflix. If you are unfamiliar, it is a three-part series that you guys can check out. I will start off by saying this definitely is more Of course, it's, you know, it's about his mind and things like that. So it's more concentrated on Aaron Hernandez himself and his life and things like that versus the true crime aspect. Right. We do get into that the last part of it and we'll discuss. But if you're looking for something that's more concentrated fully on the crimes, I heard but haven't watched yet that there is a documentary from the ID channel that does concentrate on his crimes a lot more. So that may be something that you might want to check out. But this is still very interesting, I think. So glad you guys recommended it. So in the first episode, we kind of just start out as expected with like Aaron's background and his life before, you know, the Patriots and everything. Because if if you're totally unfamiliar with who Aaron Hernandez was, he was an NFL player and came up with some alleged or not alleged, depending on which way you look at it, murder charges. Mm -hmm. So I would say 
from people I've met, because I went to college on the East Coast and stuff, he seemed like the pretty typical kind of bro guy from the East Coast. He lived in Bristol, Connecticut, and media is really interesting with this because one of the first things they say is people, especially after all this stuff comes up, they try to say Bristol's like a tough area, hard area, blah, blah, blah. But when you're talking to these people, because we get people that are all in his life, they say Bristol's a pretty average town. You know, it's just like a smaller town. There's, It's not really anything like, it's not like a ghetto town or anything. And as Jessica and I have joked, it's Connecticut. Right. <laughs> Let's put it this way. It's not Oakland or like South Central LA. No. <laughs> it's more like, um, I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> I don't even have a comparison. I feel like it's just very um, like a suburb type of situation. Yeah. And I mean, and you have to look at it like this. Of course, in every area, even in like the greatest cities on the planet, there's always like bad parts and bad people. Exactly. Yeah, that's everywhere. It doesn't matter where you live. So when you're watching this, they do this like interweaving thing where they're talking with people that have been in his life and then going through the trials and things like that, just, you know, kind of back and forth, which is interesting. It, it could make it confusing if you're not paying attention, mm -hmm. but I liked it. One of the people that's in this episode a lot, and he's in this a lot throughout it, is Stephen Ziogas. I'm probably saying his last name wrong, but his name's Steven. It's one of his like childhood friends type of situation. And then also another friend was Kristen St. John. They're describing the Aaron they knew. They said, you know, he was always a kind person. He just had this really big, cheesy smile, which when you see a lot of pictures of him smiling, he did have this huge, huge smile. They said he was very happy and he was always wanting to make everyone laugh. Like he wasn't a bully. He wasn't anything like that. He would make fun of himself and things like that just to get people laughing. Right. He very much was like a people pleaser. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He started playing football at a younger age because one of his friends wanted to play and had approached his dad. And from my understanding, like, can you kind of help convince my parents to let me play football? Or if Aaron plays football, maybe they'll let me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how he got his start. And Aaron's parents, especially his dad, was a really well-known person in their community. He grew up there. He was a star athlete himself. They were like a big UConn family, which is University of Connecticut. His nickname was literally the king. So he was like a big macho dude. People knew he was really well liked. They were just considered like a sports family and everything. I mean, their dog's name was Yukon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They were like, take whatever college, you know, and those people that are like die hard. That's how they were with Yukon. Right. We get into that conversation and stuff like that. And, you know, Aaron goes on. He gets state player of the year. He's got all of this attention. And he actually gets a scholarship offer from UConn at the age of 14. So it basically a freshman. That's insane. Like, I thought about that. And, like, I got early admission to one school, but it was never based off of, like, an athletic performance. Yeah. And considering they wanted to get him quick, like that early is just it's it's insane. Right. And it makes sense because he was an NFL player. But this documentary is very football heavy. Yes. I will tell you guys that. So for those that aren't into sports, like, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's just it's the main theme. It was his life. So it's to be expected. 
Now, the interesting thing is, and I guess it's not really surprising now that we know kind of like what's happened in hindsight, but the outside picture of Dennis, his dad, versus what he and his brother dealt with on the private side, on the family side, is pretty much different. So this starts the big theme that's throughout this whole thing is this whole double life thing. That's something that they keep like pounding on this whole documentary is Aaron and his double life. And people kind of knew, but didn't really say anything. It's just one of those things where in my mind, it's like small town, you know, someone all high on the food chain. They're not really going to say shit. So Dennis was said to have abusive outbursts, something this was common. Actually, with his wife, he beat her with the phone. Yeah, he seemed like that guy that just like bottled everything up. And then when he exploded, he just what I wouldn't say what I would say, whoever was closest to him took that beating of all his aggression. Right. And then with this abusive behavior, he also had issues with alcohol. So that's just a recipe for disaster altogether. Like, that's a given. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it interweaves. We start to get an introduction into the first murder charge that Aaron gets, and that's the murder of Odin Lloyd. Aaron ends up being arrested for shooting and killing him execution style. We'll get into the details as we talk about the end of the documentary. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're anywhere like late 20s and up, you probably remember the image of him being handcuffed and having the T-shirt over him. Oh, yeah. Because this was in the early 10s. Yeah. That image kind of had its own media frenzy just because of who he was. And people called it Hernandez-ing. And people would be recreating it on the documentary. There was like tons and tons of pictures of people just like doing that with their shirt and having their hands behind their back and being like, ha ha, whatever kind of thing. It's weird how like when you have these high profile cases, what police officers choose to do. Mm -hmm. For instance, he was so high profile that they probably could have just asked him to come down to like the station. Right. You know, and not like sensationalized it. And I get it that they're going to the house to like serve the warrant. But I think sometimes it's like, ah, he's this big superstar and we're going to show the public that, you know, he's not above the law, which I get. Like if you watch the documentary, that's kind of a theme throughout it. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you over sensationalize a celebrity, quote unquote, or a professional athlete getting arrested, it like turns it into the whole OJ shit. Like it turns it into the whole like spectacle media circus bullshit that really it doesn't need to be because you wouldn't do that for like any other person. Right. Exactly. There's a CNN reporter that I think she does really well throughout this. Her name is Susan, and she kind of just walks us through stuff when we get to the trials and things like that. Another thing, too, that I like with documentaries like this is they have the recorded phone calls while Aaron's in prison. Right. I like when they show that because it's not it's not a reenactment. Right. It's not a retelling from somebody else. This is coming straight from their mouth. Right. But to touch on that really quick, it's so interesting to watch. Like, there's a consistency to Aaron. And then there's also, like, depending on who he's talking to, it's a different Aaron. Like, when he's talking to his friends or, like, like he has a personal assistant. Like, the way he talks with him, it's, it's a little bit more casual. When he's talking to, like, one of his, like, old Florida state people, like, he's, like, super, and I don't want, like, he's super, like, speaking in, like, slang, like, urban slang. Like, he's 
dropping the n-word a lot like when he talks to his mom it's like a it's different when he talks to his fiance it's all different and so it's it's a good thing to think about when you're watching this because they talk about like the double life of Aaron Hernandez and I don't think he had a double life I think he just lived different lives depending on who he was around I agree so we learn about his cousin Tanya Singleton she becomes someone who's really close to Aaron To kind of jump ahead just a little bit, Aaron's dad ends up dying in 2006 while he's 16 years old in just a random weird way. He was having his appendix removed and just died. Right. And him and his mom have a falling out because basically his mom has an affair and gets in a relationship with Tanya's husband. That was what was so weird for me. It wasn't even like a year or so later. It's like within a couple of months. Like, not only has Terry, and I get it, like, she was an abused woman, and now she's free of this abuser, Mm -hmm. but, like, the person she chose to, like, move on with her life with is, like, a family member. I mean, I get that it's, like, this guy is her cousin by marriage, but still at the same time, you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Right. So at that point, he's just kind of like, fuck you, like, He literally says to her in a phone call, you ruin my life, you know. So he starts building that like mother-son relationship with Tanya, with his cousin, who's obviously a lot older than him. Mm -hmm. And we get to hear a lot of like phone calls and things like that from them while he's in jail and stuff. We kind of jump to Odin's murder trial for him. So that actually begins to kind of put you in the right like timeline. January 29th of 2015. Mm Mm-hmm. And originally in this one, he goes through a couple different lawyers. We'll get to uh, interesting ones later. His first one is Michael Fee is his first defense attorney. And we have some more interesting intermingling. So here, Odin is actually has family ties to Aaron. He is the boyfriend to Aaron's fiance's sister. So essentially like a brother-in-law is the easiest way to put it. Or at least it was looking that they were going to most likely be brother-in-laws. Right. Nobody was actually married yet, but, I, but I'm like, that's the easiest way to kind of sink that. Right. It started out that way, that they were just connected because of the girls. But then it turns into that they find things in common. They're both marijuana enthusiasts. They like video games. They both play football. So they find common ground and they become friends. Mm-hmm. So basically, they would hang out in the basement, you know, smoke weed, play game, video games, whatever. And then the girls would be upstairs, you know, them doing whatever they're doing. So when Odin was killed and it's looking like Aaron's the one that's done this, everyone's just like, what the fuck? Now, the two girls have an interesting relationship. So before the death and all of this, it seems like they were pretty close. Seems like they hung out quite a bit had a somewhat okay relationship. But as soon as they are at the trial and Aaron's fiance, Shayana, but I guess she goes by Shay. So it's just for my sake, for not saying it wrong a hundred times, I'm gonna call her Shay. When she's on the stand and she's asked about her relationship with her sister, she's just dead quiet. And then is just like, no, there's nothing like that's done kind of thing. Well, I mean, you think about it at this moment, Shay has decided to back Aaron, who is the person accused of killing her sister's boyfriend. Right. And it's such a weird concept, too, because it's got to be hard for that family to deal with. Oh, yeah. 
But, you know, she sticks with him the whole time. She stays loyal as fuck to stay with him. Right. Even today, with all of the shit that has come out, even like I think after this documentary was made and like or stopped filming, even that, like she has remained like Aaron is innocent. Aaron's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. They go way back. They uh, they knew each other in high school. Right. And stuff when they were kids. So this isn't just like someone random he met once he became, you know, NFL. This is someone he's he has a history with and he's known a long time. Right. Definitely. And I think she really loves him. Like you hear in some of the later recordings in that and they're like, she's telling him, like, I'm with you no matter what. I'm with you to the end. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was good because it kind of seems to do a little like bringing up the like foreshadowing. It kind of seems like everyone is like Aaron Hernandez is amazing. And then Aaron Hernandez gets accused of murder and everyone's like fucking out mm-hmm. <laughs> like peace deuces. I don't know him. Yeah. And they're like, I don't talk about Aaron. I don't know. Like Tim Tebow. Like, fuck you, Tim Tebow. Like, I was watching that and I was like, he's like, you know, I don't really know Aaron that well. I mean, I played football with him for three years and talked to Tom Brady about him on several occasions. But like, I don't really want to talk about him. I'm not allowed to talk about him. And it's like, you could just say like, when I knew him, he was a good guy. Yeah, we'll get to that. And everyone who loves Tim Tebow just started hating Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. And then this is also when we're still interweaving into the trial. Mm -hmm. A big part in both of these trials, because like I said, there's two, is surveillance footage. Now, in this one, they're saying that the surveillance footage at his home had been tampered with, but not completely deleted. So that's kind of interesting, but they don't really talk more on that. So like I said, I really want to watch this other one on the ID channel and see if they really do focus on the true crime aspect more of it, because I'm really interested to see how they compare. But basically, there's this big, like focus scene of Aaron returning home on the night Odin died and he's like, you know, walking around his house and stuff and they have what may look like a gun. Of course, it's like, you know, security footage. So it's like crappy quality. So you can't tell. And they're asking Shay, like, what's in his hand? What is he holding? And she's like, I don't know. They're alluding to it's a gun. But when you look at it, like, here's the thing. Do I think that Aaron Hernandez killed Odin Floyd? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's just too much forensic evidence against him on this one, or at least to not be part of it, if that makes sense. Like, he may not have pulled the trigger, but he definitely was there. But I just think that, like, when they're, like, asking her, like, what what is that? It kind of looks like a gun, but it also kind of looks not like a gun. Like, right. I mean, granted, it gets a little like weird that like he puts it in the closet and then she gets a phone call and is asked to remove something from the closet and then like carries a giant box and a trash bag out of the closet. Here's the thing I have with that, though. They try to say that it's like a gun safe, like a small one. Here's my thing. Here is my thing before you say anything. I have one like that. And those bitches are heavy. Uh So I'm sorry. She's not going to just be like toddling around with almost one hand carrying this. Like no fucking way. Those things are heavy as shit. It might be a different box. Who knows what in there? But it's definitely not a gun safe. Like I'm just saying it's not that. Right. And like, okay, like I get that. Like I get that. But at no point do we see that she opens the bag, like looks inside of it. It just looks like it's a bag with like a like a large Amazon box in it. Right. Yeah. 
That's when I saw it. I mean, she's kind of like struggling with it a little bit. What I was going to say is we don't have like a gun safe, but we have a firebox. And I'm pretty sure gun safes are like meant to withstand fire. Correct? Like yours? Mm-hmm. And that shit has to be like insulated and thick. And those things are fucking heavy. Right. Like they're meant like gun safes are meant to be put somewhere and not easily picked up and taken with you. Exactly. Yeah. You should struggle a bit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't fuck with picking it up because I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to drop this on my face and break my face. But, you know, totally. <laughs> So we uh, we get introduced to another person who is in the documentary throughout. It is Dennis. He went to high school with Aaron. He may have went middle school and stuff as well. But of course, like high school's the focus because that's kind of when football started being like a big deal. Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback. And of course, Aaron's the tight end. And he comes to say that there's been a secret with him and Aaron. He essentially tells us that him and Aaron had a relationship when they were kids, physical, were basically in a relationship, according to him. They were basically like fuck buddies. Yeah. So he is saying that, I don't know if he's trying to say like he's the first one or whatever, but Aaron was the first one for him. Right. But this whole question on Aaron's sexuality is another big thing throughout this. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of starting that plant and giving us this alleged history on it. I'll just be honest with you guys. There's something about this guy, and it could just be me being hyper aware and everything, but there's something about him that just doesn't sit right with me. So I'm not sure. Not saying he's lying. I'm not saying anything like that. It's just, I don't know. There's just something there that I'm just like, I don't, I can't explain it. I think it like, it's always in these moments when like Aaron has passed and Aaron can't speak for himself. And when you have someone who comes out and is just like, I was with Aaron Hernandez. We had a sexual relationship throughout high school. Like Aaron's gay. Like it was very, it's like definitive what he's saying. Like, I know Aaron was gay, but Aaron clearly liked women. He had a sexual relationship with his fiance. He fathered a daughter. I think he could have been bisexual. There's no judgment there. I think you should live your life the way you want. And I get that his father drilled into him. Like homosexual tendency was not a good thing. That's what his father like beat into them. So I get why it would be a secret. But I also feel like it's really opportunistic to come out later and say, I was with Aaron Hernandez. We were friends, but also we were lovers. Yeah, I think that's why it doesn't sit well with me. But yeah, he kind of gives us that background. And then that's that is partially how we learn. And then we also see clips from an interview with his brother, because I believe his brother's written a book just about how his dad was, I guess, in this way. I'm not sure about all of his views, of course, but like with this aspect of like sexuality and all of that, he was very close minded and very like not accepting of anything like that. That's said by both his brother and by Dennis. And then also uh, Dennis's dad's in it, too, because, of course, he knew Aaron. He says the same thing, you know, like just that was just no, that was not a thing. Like he was not going to be accepting of anything like that. Right, because Dennis's dad was friends with Aaron's dad. Like, they were buddies. And I get it. Like, I grew up in one of those, like, traditional Christian homes where, like, homosexuality was a sin. And, like, I had friends who were gay. And my parents were very, like, what? What's happening? You're hanging out with gay people? This isn't okay. But, like, at the same time, I, for myself, 
learned to be like, no, gay people are wonderful human beings and offer much, much more to the world because they have a sense of tolerance that some heterosexuals will never be capable of getting. Mm-hmm. And we jump to a double murder. A double murder. That has not been talked about at all yet. We have Odin's murder, but we also have a double murder. And this ended up being a drive-by at a stoplight. So there really wasn't much to go off on. The only thing in the early stages that they had was that they knew it was a silver SUV. And that was kind of it, really, at the beginnings. And that it happened from a certain nightclub. Right. So they didn't have a lot to go off of then. And I don't know. Did they have license plates? I can't remember. I can't remember if they did. This is like an inconsistency with it within the police reporting or what we hear, mm-hmm. because when they first start talking about it, they talk about how it was like it matched the description of this. And then somehow, because they found this vehicle that matched the description, they ran the ballistics and they were like, oh, the gun is the same. Right. Yeah. It's it's very, very vague. Right early on. And this double murder happens in July of 2012, which, fun fact, this is a month before Aaron is signed with the Patriots. I think he was signed with the Patriots. This is a month before he got his $40 million contract. Like, Oh, if they did the draft, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like he was drafted and he was playing and he had to prove himself because like he had a drug problem. <laughs> yeah, before he signed the big $40 million. Sports ball. Judge me if you know more about it than me. Anyways, so yes, dun, 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 end episode one. Right. So then we uh, we get into episode two and we start back in the trials and stuff like that. The Suffolk County DA was Patrick Hagen. And we see Tanya, that cousin that we talked about a minute a little bit ago. She is called to the stand as a witness because with the double murder fun fact, and I'm going to spoil it for you guys right now. (laughs) The two scary drug dealer friends that Aaron has, well, he has a lot of them, but the two in question (laughs) that we'll get to later. Right. They ended up at Tanya's house. And also, this is where they find the SUV in question is in her garage later. Anyways, she gets on the stand. She is, of course, loyal to Aaron, but on top of this, she is also going through her battle with breast cancer. She doesn't look very well, to be honest with you. Not at all. She gets up on the stand and she refuses to testify. She's not going to testify against Aaron. So in turn, this makes her in contempt and gets her sent to jail. Right. And while she's in jail, she gets zero treatment. I just want to say that is fucking ridiculous. She clearly had cancer. Clearly, I'm going to fucking spoil it for all y'all. She dies a few years later. I can honestly say that as someone who watched someone struggle with cancer, missing treatments can like severely hurt your chances of survival. Oh, yeah, because it ends up spreading everywhere at that point. Right. And then it's like a whole other battle that they're fighting. Right. So there's that. And... We hear a another recorded phone call. It's after Tanya gets out of jail. This call, to me, just shows the connection they had because, like, you can just hear it in his voice, like, just the emotion of actually being able to talk to her. And he was, like, when he couldn't talk to her and stuff like that. So whether she knew what happened or not, like, they had a very close bond. 
Right. And I, I love that exchange between the two of them. I love that she like the way she talked to him, like she did call him stupid and stuff. But it was like, you know how like when you call your like your friend, like be like, you're a dumbass. It's like but it's like affectionately. Mm-hmm. But I love how she was like, what? One day I'm just going to wake up and hate you. Like, no, you're like my kid like that. You listen to his mom, Terry, talk, and it's never that. Like, uh-uh. ooh, there's a part later I wanted to be like, motherfucker, Terry, get the <laughs> fuck away from Aaron Hernandez, you jackass. Here's the thing. Do I think that Aaron Hernandez is a murderer? Yes. Do I think that Aaron Hernandez could have been a great person? Yes. I think if he had had the right friends and the right influences, he probably would have. I will say this about Tanya. Tanya was friends with the people he was rolling with when Odin died. So maybe not the best introduction to the world around him. Yeah. But she cared about him so fucking much. Yeah. Besides his fiance, that was the other person that like would have been there with him still. Right. So we jump back because like I said, it goes back and forth. And you guys probably tired of me telling you that. But I feel like all over the place (laughs) with how this shit goes. (laughs) It's not your fault, though. I know it's not my fault. I'm like, fuck, I have to explain. Um, We go back to when he's finishing high school and stuff. And Aaron takes a trip down to Florida. And he goes to the University of Florida. And if you don't know anything about sports ball stuff, because that's what I'm just going to call this whole time. So I think it's fucking funny. (laughs) Sports ball. (laughs) The Gators. Big ass deal with football. Like, big, big, big deal. I think you're slightly under... (laughs) underselling how much they love football in Gainesville. It's a fucking religion. Let's just put it that way. They even fucking say that. Like, oh, no, it is like people like religiously like the town shuts down. Everyone goes to the fucking game. It's like, here's the thing. The Gators could lose time and time again. And that stadium would be sold the fuck out. Exactly. Because those people, they drink in that Gator juice. (laughs) It sounds disgusting. (laughs) It does. But it also sounds like something they probably sell in their concession stands. I mean, you know. So, yeah, he goes down there and then what happens that shocks every fucking buddy? Aaron Hernandez signs an intent to go play football there. Which I thought was funny because everyone's like, nobody knew he was interested in Florida. And then he announced it because he went to visit the school. I just really want to say no athlete goes to look at a school that they don't intend to go to or like don't at least intend to give audience to attend. Right, exactly. So that was a big fucking deal because they were, you know, diehard UConn peeps. Also, he'd kind of verbally accepted an offer from UConn, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when he was 14. However, he's a minor and a verbal contract from a minor is like basically like worth bubble gum. Yeah. And we also are introduced. I didn't write down his name, but he does pop up a lot. It's that one guy that the bald guy who only played for like a year and then he retired because he's like, I ain't fucking my brain up. Do you remember what his name was? No, but I will say that that he played for the University of Wisconsin. Yes. And I will say I didn't look at his name, but I will say major fucking props to him because think about the money that they throw at these athletes. I mean, Aaron Hernandez signed a 40 million dollar contract for his first one for his first one because he was so good. But like you have to look at it like I can live my life and have this fucked up brain injury. And I'm going to like live comfortably the rest of my life mm-hmm. or I'm going to like protect myself and do something good. And Tara and I grew up in football towns like my high school sold out every fucking football game. Her high school sold out every fucking football game where we grew up. Football was like 
everything. Mm-hmm. So we get it. Like I watched my friend get his legs snapped on a football field and he was just bummed he couldn't play the rest of the season. <laughs> not that he broke his fucking leg. <laughs> right. Like and possibly could not walk properly the rest of his life or ever play football again. But like he was like, man, I wish I could get back out there. And I'm like, dude, motherfucker, your leg snapped like at the knee. Like it just broke in half. That dude landed on you and your leg was just like, bye. Well, yeah. And then I like that. Not like, but it was a good segue that you brought that up because during this time he talks about when he's at the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Wyoming, Wisconsin. West Wisconsin. W. It's Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) And guys, I apologize if I sound super nasally. I'm getting over sickness, the exhaustion from our trip. And then my husband, like, (laughs) legit, this happened. My (laughs) Tara and I were hanging out before I took her back to the airport. And my husband called me because he coughed so hard. He ruptured a blood vessel in his throat. Yeah. So Tara and I's like hangout session was cut short. I had to take her to the or the not the hospital. I had to go to the hospital. I had to take her to the airport early. Mm -hmm. And then he decided to love me enough to give it to me. Yes. As he said, love is sharing. And I share it all with you. And I slept on an air mattress for four days and then got sick and was still (laughs) pissed. Ugh. So, you know, life, but uh, we here. But anyway, he talks about the, you know, like the starters and the upperclassmen all lining up and getting Toradol injections, which at first he's like, oh, my God, these guys are getting fucking steroids. What the fuck? But then realizes what it is. And essentially, this is like to get them to play through the pain. It's a painkiller, you know? So it's just, it was a regular thing. It was, you know, like no big deal. Just come get your shot. Let's go, Johnny. Next one, you know? So it's just, it's crazy. And Right. No, yeah. That was what was amazing to me. And then like, to segue that, like how what Aaron said is he's like, all I needed was weed and Toradol. Like, that was it. That's all I fucking needed to like survive in this world while playing football. And it it shows that like these athletes, they're willing to do whatever they can to be the top of it, especially like you think at college, mm-hmm. every single game counts for them because every single game could put them to that next level to professional football player. Yeah, exactly. And uh, being I obviously never played football. This was something I never knew about or anything. So that was just kind of like eye opening for me. And it's just crazy. I mean, it makes sadly it makes sense, but it's just it's it's sad, you know. No, it makes so much sense because it's kind of like they get a numbing pain, like they don't feel it. And it kind of answers the question, like when I think about Wisconsin and now it's like an outdoor arena and I'm like, how are these motherfuckers playing football in 15 degree weather? They can't feel it. Oh, I know. They're (laughs) they're shooting a painkiller that makes them numb to everything and they can't feel the fact that their toe isn't on anymore. That's it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so there's that. And then we we jump back to Odin's murder and there's never any actual murder weapon. There's at this point no motive they can decide, but we have these surveillance videos and cell phone tower pings, which, as you guys know, in other cases we've talked about, helpful. Right. So we see some footage of Aaron at a gas station before he's going to pick up Odin. And he purchases gum, which is (laughs) – I just kind of laughed when they said what kind of gum it was because I think it kind of shows like – his maturity level? I don't I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. He bought cotton candy bubblicious. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, I, I thought that too. I was like, one, that shit is nasty. <laughs> that shit is <laughs> so nasty. Yeah. For one. Two, they showed previously like 
when the Patriots were looking at him, they did like personality tests and he scored like the lowest you can score on like a maturity level. Mm -hmm. But you also have to think about it like he's 22 years old. Yeah, he's in his early 20s. Yeah. He got signed to the Patriots at like what? 2021. He was young for his grade, too. So I think he was about like 20 ish. Yeah. Right. But he didn't do it. He didn't have a senior year. He didn't graduate from college. No, no, no. He went to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Like he did three years in college and then they were like, you should definitely like you're in the prime of your life. You should go make that money in the NFL right now because they thought like for sure first round draft pick like he was amazing. And then he was fourth. But like they tell you, like his maturity level was like the lowest it could go. And if you think about it, like Aaron played football young. He also lost his father at 16. And then his mother starts sleeping with his cousin's husband. So like, I think he just stopped maturing. Also there, don't at me on this, but there's like studies that show that when you start using any kind of recreational drug heavily like Aaron does, your brain can actually stop growing as like maturity wise. Mm -hmm, Like wherever you're at. Yeah, I got you. And speaking of weed, he also bought black and mild wrappers, which is for blunts. And on top of this, they found a blunt at the scene of the crime with DNA that matched Aaron. Which is, okay, like if you want to go conspiracy theory here, Mm -hmm. what kind of person drops their fucking blunt at a crime scene? That seems very, very convenient. Well, I have thoughts about that. I like where you're going with that, though. That's interesting. Like, seriously, I've been thinking about this and I was like, Wait a second. Who leaves their blunt? Especially someone who smoked pot as much as him. Like you would think that he would be like, where is my blunt? And may have possibly gone back for it because they would have been like, shit, where's my blunt? Maybe. I don't know. This is also Jessica kind of mentioned the matched a shell casing that was found in the rental car that he had, you know, the night of the murder and stuff like that. That matches what Odin was shot with. Stuck to a piece of bubblicious gum. Right. Which is weird. And then they also find a footprint of the same size and shoe that Aaron had. So you said about the blunt thing about kind of like that conspiracy of someone planting it. That's an interesting theory. But in my mind, kind of as we go, I have this thought of maybe nobody at me, any Aaron Hernandez fans. I feel like as we go, I kind of get this feeling of because he starts to get away with some stuff, which I'm going to go into right now. He has this feeling of not really being careful or not caring because he's got this like unrealistic feeling of being untouchable because even just in college, he had some shit go down. It was when he was first on the Gators and stuff. He had went out with Tim Tebow and Aaron's been drinking and stuff like that. And Aaron's underage. Let's just let's point that out. Aaron might not even be 18. I don't fucking know. This manager comes up with the tab and he's like, hey, like, what about this? Like, are you going to pay for this kind of thing? And Aaron sucker punches him in the face. And it's like bad, bad, bad. Yeah, he punches him in the ear and bursts his eardrum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ear, excuse me. Ear. And it's all bad. But... Nothing comes of this. No charges are pressed because we are in this college town and he's a college football player and he's, quote, important. Which I don't agree with. I don't think that anyone should be, like, given any special treatment because they play football. No. But, however, like, I think he should have been held accountable for his actions. But he's, like, a baby drinking when he shouldn't be. Dude, like, this is the thing. They're, like, there were no charges 
filed. Mm -hmm. No shit there was no charges filed because then you would turn around and have to literally account for why you were serving a minor. Because I'm pretty sure he was like 17, maybe just turned 18. Like he's definitely underage drinking. And they there's a sign on their door that says like no ID, no admissions. And why the hell is Aaron Hernandez, babyface Aaron Hernandez in your establishment drinking? It's not even just Aaron Hernandez. This was a common thing with anybody like that. They mm-hmm. there would be no charges. There would be nothing to hold them accountable kind of thing. Right. And then people who had witnessed things like this, they would be reluctant to come forward because they didn't, I guess, want to rock the boat, essentially, or have any consequences themselves. Because I'm pretty sure that the school would have expelled him for that. Like, let's face it, like that's assault. And he is one of their like star football players. I think like the circumstance, I think there was like a bunch of circumstances, like people didn't want to rock the boat with the school because of Aaron's talent and he was a football player and he was untouchable. But I think also on the other side of it is like there were no charges ever levied because that dude would have been also in trouble. Like there's two sides to this. Mm -hmm. And I think Aaron was so young. All he saw was I'm untouchable. Yeah. So like Jessica mentioned earlier, the NFL, they do these like screening rating things. And we saw that and we saw Aaron rated really low for social maturity, things like that. Obviously, he's punching a dude in the ear and breaking his eardrum because he got asked to pay his bill, which is a, you know, reasonable thing to ask a customer. And they also were aware that he was into drugs and, you know, things like that. Because, uh, fun fact, if you didn't know, the NFL hires private investigators to check out their prospects to make sure that they're going to be good and not have a problem. Well, it makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. Even, like, the low guys who get, like, $3 million contracts... It's like, that's still $3 million. That's still a $3 million contract. Well, exactly. And then the people, the players can become a liability. Right. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, no, I don't blame them for that. I was just like, okay. So Aaron really, really wanted to play for the Pats. Of course, he's from that area, things like that. So him and his agent end up putting in a letter saying that he'll do what he has to do. He will take additional drug tests and things like that, you know, to be like, to prove he's worthy to play. Right. Definitely. One of the things I liked in there is that at this time, they talk about how like people in his life knowing how close like patriots were from his hometown and those negative influence were like, go West Coast, go someplace else, go to Oakland, go to San Diego, go someplace so far away that the people who are really important, like his fiance and those people, they would be able to come out and they would be there with him. Right. But like he wouldn't be surrounded by the people who were like his drug dealers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Steven, I think, is who says that, you know? Yeah. And then around this time when he uh, when he's getting sent for the Pats and things like that, Shay moves, you know, she relocates. She moves to be with him. She leaves, you know, everything. It's not very far, but still a move. It's a couple hours. Yeah, it's like a few hours away. She moves up with him, things like that. This is also when Ryan and him start getting, you know, reconnected and stuff because they had known each other since like sixth grade. And that's when he becomes his personal assistant. So the next big thing that gets introduced and is another theme that we have from here to the end of the series is the brain disease that athletes and other people who have, you know, blows to the head and things like that. And that's called CTE. 
It's a really complicated technical name, so we don't get to laugh at Tara when she tries to say it. If you would like to know what it means, please Google. <laughs> and now, like a little quick introduction on a different player. His name was Junior Seo. He had CTE, and he ended up killing himself and shot himself in the chest. Because he wanted his brain to be studied. Yeah, he wanted his brain to be studied so they could see and help other people type of thing. And this is something that'll come up a little later in regards with Aaron. So we go back to the trials and we meet yet again another new person. We meet Alexander Bradley. Boo! Sorry, just had to do it. Yeah, he's uh, he's got some stuff. Let's just start out with saying he's not a good person himself. He's also in that camp of the bad crowd Aaron hangs out with. He's like, if there was a bat, if there was a camp, he would be the camp like leader. Yeah, this is true. He'd be the head counselor. <laughs> yeah. So he's testifying against Aaron and he's just saying how, because this is in regards to the double murder on the defense that night when they went out, felt like people were trying him and just, you know, pissed off and all of this shit. He says that Aaron asked him to purchase a firearm for him because he needed it, quote, for protection. And he even went as far as to have secret compartments in his car. Aaron had no reason to really act like this. Like, he did do this. I'm not saying Alexander's lying. Like, Aaron did do this. Let me just say that. He had no criminal record. He had nothing stopping him from purchasing a gun his own, like himself, things like that. So this is where we're starting to get a little sketch. Right. So I have theories. About, like, I want to address the compartment thing. Mm-hmm. Aaron Hernandez is a huge pothead. Like, he smokes weed. If he's not playing football, he's high. This is true. I forget there's places where that's not legal to have. Yeah. Yeah, it's Massachusetts. Like, yeah. I don't even know if it's legal now. I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't look at it. I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> it's legal in California. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say is that Aaron... He's this huge football star mm-hmm. and he knows he smokes a shit ton of pot. Like he's got to protect himself. Yeah. So I get that. Like he has guys like Bradley who come over and bring him pot. But there are times where he probably has to go to Bradley to get pot. Right. If you were smart and you were Aaron Hernandez, you would have secret compartments in your car that would allow you to transpo that pot. True. They may not have even been for the guns. You're right. I got you. Yeah. Right. Because that's whatever they were like. Yeah, he had Zika compartments for his guns and like, okay. But like later on, he buys guns legitly and stores them in legit places. So I'm pretty sure that the secret compartments were for pop because I don't think he's buying dime bags at a time. Just saying. Yeah. So Alexander talks about the night of the double murder. The two of them are at Cure Lounge. And this is... Alexander's account. We get a little bit of a different version of this later from a witness. Foreshadowing for you. (laughs) He says that a guy spilled a drink on him, which is allegedly one of the victims. And Aaron got pissed off. So Alexander got him to leave, had to, quote, drag him out of the club. And that when they left, he ended up seeing them and was like, oh, that's them. That's them. And drove up and shot them. That Aaron shot them at a red light. Right. Now, the thing with these victims were these two guys, they were just normal people. They weren't in a part of any kind of like gang activity, anything like that. Mm -hmm. They had moved to the U.S. and tried to start a life for themselves. They had jobs as like office cleaners, things like that. And they had just, you know, they were young guys. They had just went out for a night, you know, just to have some fun. Right. 
the only time that they're actually seen together is like like on the same surveillance mm-hmm. cameras is like when they're entering the club or right. the the bar or wherever they're going, they just kind of arrived around the same time. Right, exactly. Just kind of raises some questions for you. And then Alexander says after shortly after this that him and Aaron went on a trip to Florida and, you know, went to like some strip clubs and things like that. And Aaron was very paranoid and said that he saw these couple of guys who had like cop haircuts, quote, quote. So like buzz short hair. But also you live in Florida where it's hot as balls. So just saying. Right. And it's like they're in Florida where the good old boys live. Like, let's talk about this. It's like very like good old country boy. Like, I don't mean like good old like <laughs> like, like, you know, it's like I grew up in an area where like most guys kept their hair pretty short. And like, you know, it's that kind of like white country preppy boy look. It's to have kind of a police haircut. Yeah. And Alexander says that he told Aaron, well, if they were cops and they were here, it was because of what you did. Which is weird because let's be real like why would they have gone all the way to florida to follow them about something that happened in boston all right especially because in boston at the time they had no idea what happened Mm -hmm. they just knew it was a silver suv that's all they knew they knew nothing else at that time right so alexander says that when they you know when they were leaving and stuff he ended up falling asleep in the vehicle And the next thing he knows, he wakes up and Aaron has a gun in his face, shoots him in the face, and he is left essentially on the side of a road. Right. And at this point in time, I text Tara and I was like, he shot his friend in the face? (laughs) And Tara's like, yeah. And I was like, what the hell? I'm sorry. That story just seems weird. Like, we were out. And we were having a good time. And then he got paranoid because of these dudes. And so then we were just getting out of there and we got away from those dudes. And then Aaron just shot me in the face. I mean, he like legit got shot in the face like that happened. Well, no, I I mean, he obviously got shot in the face, but like your story doesn't make much sense. Yeah. Well, that is going to wrap us up here for part one on our take on the killer inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love and appreciate you. If you love us as well, please go to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and leave us a five-star review. That helps us out tons and we would really, really appreciate it. Tune back in on Friday for part two on our discussion on this documentary. So we will see you guys on Thursday for this week's Stabby and then see you on Friday. Bye, guys. Bye. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.